0: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies.
1: Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for joining us back at our, the screenwriting life from home. Um, as we mentioned uh, last week, we're going to talk about structure this week. Again, structure part two.
2: From the midpoint to the end of the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, before we do that, we're going to do the segment on our show we like to call "Adventures in Screenwriting," which is checking in with each other about how our weeks were. So, Meg, how was your week?
1: My week was a bit of a roller coaster ride. I mean, it's amazing that I can be locked in my house and still have these highs and lows. <laughs> <laughs> Don't understand. Um, I, uh, on one hand, I had a project that I've been waiting to commence on for. Three to five months if you talk about from when they said yes you'll get the job through making a deal which took two months to a new, saying ready go we're ready to pay you we're commencing you five months i've been waiting turning down other work and uh it all fell apart yeah uh, not due to me but due to other attachments on the project and timing and uh so super uh disappointing but that is hollywood man you never count uh What is it? You never bird in the hand. You got to never count your chickens before they're hatched. Whatever dumb phrase you want to put to that. Uh, You know, as a writer, you always have to have other things cook in you. I'm a plan B girl. (laughs) You know, I'm a me. I know, you know, and I uh, I, I've I've got my plans B's already going into action. Um, So that but it's hard. It's disappointing because of course, you're not officially working on something. But of course you are because in your brain, you've already started figuring it out and asking yourself questions. And uh, so it's a little bit of a loss of the story too, to just let it go and be its own thing wherever it's gonna go now. Um, So that happens, that happens in Hollywood. But on the other hand, it gave me the space yesterday to only work all day on my passion project, which is my pilot, which our listeners who are with us each week know that in the very first week of this podcast, I made a commitment to do an outline for my pilot. And, uh, it really has helped. And, uh, I spent six hours writing that thing yesterday and it was amazing. It was so, I mean, listen, it has ups and downs within it too, right? Where you're like, Oh my God, this sucks. Or, Oh my God, I love that. And I wrote, I wrote the scene one way where it was just two characters. And then I went back and I was like, I actually think her mother has to be here too. And then I rewrote it with her mother and watched it grow and become more interesting and more layered. And it's so, it was so fun. It was just so great. So, um, it was a, it's a gift, it felt like a gift to be able to do that. And I realized, oh, maybe the universe wants me doing this. This is why this whole thing happened because this is the story that needs to come out into the universe right now, even just for myself, right? Who knows about selling it and getting it to everybody else in the world. But right now I am thoroughly enjoying the process uh, of letting my imagination pour into this thing that I love so much. So up and down, but, uh, but good.
2: And there's such a skill there too in taking the hit in that disappointment and then being able to quickly recover and move on to the next thing right i think that comes with years of practice and experience of that right because that isn't the same for everybody right and sort of being gentle and kind with yourself if if you do take a big hit and then being able to like process it and you processed it i'm sure in your own way but then you were able to to jump back
1: (laughs) you want to see how i processed it this is so funny i only have this up on my desk because i did a zoom with girlfriends last night and we all had to show the bottle that we were you know drinking i don't (laughs) normally have a bottle of whiskey on my desk so this is what i drank last night with my girlfriends and for the people who can't see it's a, a bottle of whiskey from ireland you can only buy it in ireland and it's called writer's tears legit that's totally legit yeah um but no yeah it's true I mean listen it's it's a it's an evolving process in terms of dealing with it but uh I find the writing is a good place to go because you do have support there inside of you in terms of the story and just letting it I I literally did pour a lot of the disappointment into that story right which opens with a big loss so I was like well I know what it feels like right now so let's have her walk around and talk and feel it and um go through it so
2: oh that's so nice you're like putting it into action you're like the dream in action meg
0: (laughs) i love that i'm gonna hop in quickly guys this is jeff who uh helps produce the show i am i would almost love to see an episode at some point down the line of just dealing with rejection because like this business inevitably that's just cooked into what we do you know and i'm sure a lot of our listeners me included have friends who work in you know finance or more traditional industries and they'll just never quite understand the roller coaster of choosing to work in this industry. So I'd love, at some point down the line, to devote a whole episode to that.
1: Yeah, we're going to do a little bit of a, of that kind of transitioning and making yourself vulnerable in our question today. And great. for sure, it's a great uh, it's a great question. We should do it maybe next week because it's I am I can relate right now. <laughs> so let's do it next week.
2: That sounds great. I love it.
1: Um, How was so- your week, Lorian? My week was,
2: so I was dreading it because it was spring break for my kid for school. So we weren't getting the lessons. We weren't going to have that rhythm. And actually it's the, it's the most productive and inspiring and chill week I've had since we've been in lockdown that I didn't have to like devote all this energy to like teaching her something that I'm terrible at. Right. But um, just like taking that off the table allowed me to um, get in a rhythm that wasn't like packed with stress the moment I woke up. Um, I had a general, I had some meetings, um, but mostly I was trying to figure out what my best methodology of working is, right? And part of that for me is accountability. And also I love um, check-ins, feedback, you know, encouragement. So I made a little schedule for myself and I sent it to my manager and I was like, this is what I'm going to do this week. And so I felt, and we've just started working together. So uh, I felt like that was a big deal because, you know, we're not very comfortable with each other yet. And if I send him that it's real, like if I don't do it, he'll be like, well, now I'm disappointed in you, which is the worst thing I can imagine. Right. Yes. That's a great
1: tip. Think of the person who you would hate to disappoint and give them your uh, deadline.
2: Yeah. And so I sent it to him and I, um, I think I'm gonna hit all of my deadlines. Um, but one piece was really important for me is, yeah, I also have lots of projects going on. Some of them are real, you know, I, it's a pitch. It's something I'm working on for myself. It's something that's due, but I'm not getting paid for it, right? Which is free work in Hollywood is another big, big part of the game. You have to do a lot of work to get the job, right? So I'm doing a lot of those projects right now, um, is that I need more than a couple of hours. I need the day. Right. I need to be able to like today I'm working on this. And if I because it takes a while to get in sometimes and then to be able to sink in and find that flow, like you're talking about, you had six hours on your on your project and to like hit the bumps and go over them and keep going. And and then um, and I had this. So I got to do that. And then I had this delightful sort of there was water in the riverbed like we talked about. And so that I came up with some other ideas and I got. I sent one to you and you came back with really positive encouragement. So it's like, oh, there's something there. And so for me, it's about accountability and a feedback loop that keeps me moving forward. And, you know, my, my hope is that one day I get to be a grown up and that I can do this stuff on my own. But the reality is it's probably part of who I am and that even if I'm, you know, have like all these movies and TV shows out and I'm so experienced, I think I'm still going to need accountability and feedback, you know, just sort of
1: owning that. Well, You will, because it'll be more baked in because it's, it's, you got to give it to the studio. You got to give it to the actor. You got to give it to the director. I mean, it, it, it's a little bit more pressure, but it's focusing. It helps yeah. you focus on yeah. uh, that uh, panic is good motivator. That's a really yeah. good motivator. Yes. Um, I love that Laurie. And I love that you have found you, you know, I went to a really one of the most ancient burial sites in Greece, and above the door, it had one phrase, know thyself. You know, that's ancient wisdom, that you are knowing yourself and your own process and not judging yourself based on other people's processes or what other people say their process is. Like You and I can share our weeks and our process, but ultimately, everybody's, your brain. everybody's brain is their brain, and your writing comes to you the way it comes to you and it can change right like sometimes i can just bang 20 minutes half hour got it and sometimes i'm like 6 hours i need maybe it's the stage that i'm in with the project whatever i need that time to like you said it's such a great go over the bumps right and hang in there and stay 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 so i love that that you're getting to know yourself that way yeah Without, i mean i think like, it was
2: just a reminder like i had yeah. the space like i I know I like accountability and feedback. Like, that's not a big surprise to me. Like, this is something, but just sort of finally getting to the place of that's, it's not going to change, right? There's no growth opportunity there, (laughs) you know, that. um, You don't need to because you don't need to. Right. But sometimes I think that we hold up this, like, we see people who are so successful and we think, Oh, they just go and they do it all themselves and they're geniuses and they don't need these things that I need, right? That they're so evolved and special and and they need what they need, right? And that- Oh yeah, everybody,
1: everybody has their version of this. Everybody, even if they are the most successful, they still have their version of it for sure.
2: But it was, I feel like it was a positive week finally. So obviously the outcome for me is just to cancel teaching my kids school at all. (laughs) School's canceled so that I can write.
1: Let's <laughs> go. School, school's out. Welcome laughing.
2: to summer. I'm laughing. Ha, ha, ha. But it's actually something I'm deeply thinking about. Because, like, I, I don't know how I can do all this.
0: <laughs> how many more weeks of school are there for, for the kiddos right now?
1: Who knows? June? Camp- Isn't it June? I mean, I mean yeah, at least another months. month and a half.
2: But summer God, camps were that? just canceled. So... What then?
1: <laughs> we have to go from crisis school teacher to camp counselor. Yeah, like, yay! Here's here's camp. There's the television. No, yeah. of course, I, yes, but no, but no. My, yes.
2: my child is deeply learning about sitcom structure. <laughs> movie structure. No, I do. I take the opportunity to to go. Like, who's the main character? What do they want in this episode? Did they get it? What are the obstacles? So I'm teaching her about sitcom structure. So that's a thing I'm teaching her.
1: So what are you guys watching? He's gonna be a writer. Oh, uh, I'm watching. I'm catching up on Ozark. My husband and I are watching Ozark.
0: It's great. Julia Garner is incredible on that show.
1: Yeah, it's dark, man. It's not the you know. I have bad dreams after. I know. But it is dark. Yeah.
2: I'm still watching Doctor Who.
0: Love. <laughs> Love.
2: We're almost we're almost done with the the past seasons.
0: So it kind of feels like we're in our own TARDIS right now during quarantine. It's crazy
2: a hashtag nerd joke right there yeah, i don't
0: know what that means but. you're welcome
1: all right well, all right jeff you should do our our call to action here
0: i'm going to i i want to let you guys behind the curtain a little bit our um wonderful hosts are so humble and gracious that they uh don't feel comfortable reading your amazingly kind reviews on air. I was like, Meg, Laurie, and trust me, plenty of podcasts read their reviews on air. And they're like, no, we're not going to do it. We read them, but we're not going to read them out loud. So I am happy to take the job of reading some of y'all's wonderful feedback on our podcast. If you guys didn't know, we go, we go up once a week. We're live on Fridays at noon on the Popcorn Talks. So we encourage you guys to join us there. But of course, we also have the podcast, which is where most of you are listening right now. And some of you guys have written us some amazingly kind reviews on Apple Podcasts. First of all, thank you for the kind words. We love them. Second of all, thank you, because what that does is that actually bumps up our SEO, which uh, means we're easier to find on Apple Podcasts, which is great. So we really appreciate it. I'm going to start with this review from Staff, who says, I cannot recommend this podcast enough for new and advanced storytellers alike. The topics covered offer vital information to ensure that the structure and the emotional core of the story are working properly. Excellent tips for troubleshooting any script and also for navigating the entertainment industry. Love, love, love this podcast. Cynesteph, thank you so much. I'm going to read a couple more. Thank Um, you.
2: Thank you. It's not because we don't love getting the reviews. It's just, it's hard to get positive feedback. As it is to get...
1: (laughs) Well, it's not like, hey, tune into our podcast so we can pat ourselves on the back.
0: (laughs) I'm going to pat you guys on the back on behalf of our fans.
1: You're making us do this.
0: I'm making you guys... Well, the truth is, the great thing is our... Listeners are writers, so they also write these beautiful reviews. Yes, so we want to give the chance
1: That's true. That's true very to true.
0: highlight your writing as well. Um, okay. Bowling Ninja says, both inspiring and surprisingly practical on how to think about writing and being a working writer in Hollywood. It manages to both be accessible and uh, both aspiring and experienced writers can understand the craft. I can't recommend it more highly. And then one more I'm just going to read because I know Meg and Lori are uh, sweating on the inside. All right. A balanced diet and of math and relatability. Thank you to Megan Lorian and the whole team for such an amazing podcast. I love how you balance the math of screenwriting with your day-to-day experiences and emotional struggles and triumphs. I will recommend this to everyone. And I know who has an interest in screenwriting and the filmmaking process. Thank you so much. It's so great. I mean, just to hear your writing and part of podcasting what we talk about is this, this intimate community. And we also have a Facebook group that we encourage you guys to join Um, And our email address is screenwritinglife at gmail.com. But When Meg and Lauren and I were developing the show, our number one goal, and the number one goal they made sure to relay to our team was that they wanted to create this intimate community of writers. The two of them are passionate about that, so am I. And so to read these reviews really means a lot. It helps the show. And we do read all of them. Even if we don't read your review on air, we've read it off air and we really appreciate it. So to those of you who wrote in, thank you so much. And for those of you who uh, are going to this week, we really appreciate it. and We will read your review on air. Thank you, thank you. We love our writers. We love our community.
1: Yeah, and you guys, we really want you, we're also really enjoying reading the Facebook posts and the emails you're sending to uh, the life at gmail.com, which I think I got that right, Jeff.
0: Yeah, that's And, um,
1: you know, we're reading them, uh, we're going to answer them on air, um, so it, it really was about community, it's why Lori and I wanted to do this, is we wanted to build a community for everybody to come and get support and find each other. You know, if you find each other, we're we're thinking about starting Facebook groups so you guys can talk to each other. Um, So we hope to even expand this um, out, um, but we'll start here. So help us with the podcast if you can. And Um,
2: patient with us while we try to find the time and the resources to get all the Facebook stuff set up and going. And so we can be more interactive on it. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, there's a lot going on right now.
0: This whole like global <laughs> pandemic thing. I don't
1: know. This global <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. Um. No, but we are, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely part of our heart. So we're going to do it. Hey, everyone. So the new version of Final Draft, Final Draft 13, is out. And, you know, the question's going around. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to buy or upgrade? And our answer is yes.
2: So I recently got notes on a pilot. And I want to see how it works in my rewrite to move a couple of scenes. And usually what I do is you know, cut and paste, uh, which works out sometimes, but mostly it means I lose text because I move so quickly. But the new version of Final Draft has this cool feature called Navigator 2.0, where you can actually just move scenes around right in your script. So without losing something, I can see what's working, what I'm missing, or what needs to be rewritten, or, you know, if I have to lose the scene altogether. But it's really, really helpful. And what's most important to
1: me about this is that I'm not losing anything. Woohoo! Yes. I am laying out a new project, and I want to card it. And I can now do that inside of Final Draft, and it's now a super easy way. You can take those cards and then make them into an outline with a simple drag and drop. So it's just a great way to see the larger story that you're writing and get down the details, track characters, I just love it. And for our emerging writers, a great new feature is Final Draft lets you set writing goals like page count or timed writing sprints, which is super cool.
2: So uh, we think the new version is really worth uh, investing in. So you can head over to finaldraft.com slash products to get the new version with a discount code of SCREENFD for 25% off. You should check it out.
1: That's SCREENFD. S-C-R-E-E-N-F-D. Um, so then today our topic um, is part two of structure. Um, and just to remind you, last week we talked about setting that structure is character. And that um, it's just Lauren and my, uh, mine approach. You can Everybody will have their own approach. We're telling you ours so that as later in the show, we talk about things when we say structure, you understand what we mean. Um, and that to us structure is just really the way the character is moving through their touch points of the character's transformation. So remember last week we talked about establishing your character and how to do that. And then that end of act one, that inciting incident coming in and that end of act one, to please you know, think about their goal. What's their drive to keep them active? What's their plan? and then moving into act two A, um, how they are creating the plot, right? That that you're actually tracking on this, you're using structure to actually keep them active and keep them creating the plot of the movie, especially by the way, guys, if you expect a movie star to be in your movie, They know if they're creating the plot or just reacting to it. They know. So uh, even if they're supporting uh, character, they want to know how they impacted the plot, how they impacted the movement of the main character. So um, really know that. Um, That's what your job as the writer to do is to give that actor that. Um, So then we were at kind of the midpoint. Yes, right, Lorian? Uh, Last week. you know, midpoints are different things to different people, I think. Um, I think the commonality for me, um, again, these are just tools in the toolbox. What really helps me to keep thinking about um, is you don't want your act to to flatline. You don't want it to become a pile of incidents um, that isn't evolving and escalating somehow, it, even just in the conflict starting to escalate or the interior starting to escalate, whatever it is you want to be escalating, that it is... There is an escalation happening so that when you hit about the middle somewhere, you feel this kind of stakes rise shift. Otherwise, you do kind of a flatlined act two. Um, so, you know, much easier if your stakes are life and death, like literally life and death, um, probably a bigger quote unquote movie. Um, um, they it, it, it can be emotional life and death stakes. Um, but really the stakes have to rise for the for the main character there um, And the other way to think of it is remember last week we were talking about I really this is just me personally I think this 3x structure has lasted so many so long over so many years because it's actually The way a human beings consciousness ra- Raises it's literally you're looking at an unconscious person moving to consciousness, mm-hmm. right and that and that these are the points along the way of where that consciousness is shifting dramatically. So I think of the midpoint as they're conscious, they're awake more in their evolution. They can't go back, like you can't go back to sleep. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you were like, I really wish I wasn't aware of all of this because it was much easier when I wasn't aware, but now I'm aware. So I have to keep going on the transformation. I have to now deal with it. Like they have woken up enough that they can't go back, they cannot go back to their old life in act one. They've gone far enough away from it, but it's gotten harder because they're not done with their transformation yet. And the external, the plot, the stakes have actually gotten harder for them to push against. Well, why? Because in consciousness now, really people raise their consciousness and learn and transform because it's hard, because they are pushed because the universe, the antagonist, the conflict is, it's like fire coming in to their metal to shift them, right? So um, that those midpoints to me are important, really important moments to look at structurally in terms of just asking yourself, where is the main character at the midpoint? Where's that main relationship? Because that's how we know who the main character is. How has it evolved? Now, you might've started that main relationship that they're, they don't like each other just to use the buddy uh, genre for a moment. The midpoint generally then would be, they get together if it's a romance they've kissed or more uh if uh, if it's a buddy comedy they are they have seen each other finally and appreciate each other and have become friends and are starting to bond why do you need to do that because you're going to split them apart again right in the second half it's going to get harder and harder on that relationship now um and so then to be that section of the movie generally is you are throwing fire at them now. You are just beating the crap out of them. It is getting harder and harder. Stuff that was maybe fun in games in 2A to evolve through, it's not so much fun anymore. Doesn't mean it can not still be funny, but it's hard. It is emotionally hard. It's physically hard. You are just really, you know, taking them up now to DEFCON 4 in that 2B section. Because what you're doing is you're pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing them even they might be resist they might be stamping their feet they might be trying and failing but they get up like they're they're really going through it now and then you push them right up and do something now towards the end of act 2 or not quite at the end of act two but structurally you are right before the end of act two and now you should give them the mother of all challenges that it is physically hard, it's plot hard, it's internally hard, it's hard about that goal, it's hard on the main relationship, it's everything. Just really give them the most impossible choice. Um, so for example, in, in Inside Out, it's when literally everything is falling apart, Riley is running away, all of the islands are crumbling, the whole world, literally, and Inside Out, the whole world is falling down around her she has one shot to get up to headquarters and get her goal which is to have herself fix the problem and she gets into that tube and sadness wants to come with her now all through act two she's been appreciating sadness more and if she really has changed she would let sadness in the tube with her but she just she watches those chorus co- those memories start to go sad and she just can't do it she just can't finish the transformation because what you're doing is you're pushing them so hard that you regress them all the way back to who they were in act one all of those old behaviors all of that unconsciousness comes raging back as like almost a survival instinct right it is a survival instinct comes back and kicks sadness out of that tube and because they made that choice Again, the characters making the choice. That means they have to go down to the bottom of act two, right? You're gonna have to strip them now because they have shown they haven't really learned their lesson in terms of behavior. They they got pushed and they chose back to their old consciousness. Now they fall into the bottom of act two, which to me is from a writing standpoint, you can muck around, change any, you know, structure and all the stuff we're talking about are tools in your toolbox, but really think about your end of act two. Um, because it really is the place that things come into consciousness now that, that end of act two is where the transformation happens And you have to strip your character of everything. Their original goal is gone Probably their relationships that you've been tracking are gone. They have they have to really look at themselves now and who they are and how they have caused act two And a lot of people get confused about this because they think their end of act two is the character pointing towards somebody else and saying, well, I got here because of that, because of that person or that situation. That is not a transformative character. That is is not doing the hard thing. You're letting your character off the hook. The hard thing to do is for your character at the end of act two to look at themselves and their consciousness and how they created act two, and that all this conflict that they saw at coming at them, they helped create it, right? That it's self-transformation that is emotional, that, that we all have the cathartic experience with them, right? Because remember what we talked about in past episode, in past podcasts, you've, you've made us unconscious with them. We believe what they believe. So now at the end of act two, we have the transformation with them. We're like, oh, Shit, sadness is what Riley needs. I've been doing the opposite of that. I created all of this. If I would have just allowed Riley to have sadness, none of this would have happened, right? And if if your character can absorb that self-responsibility and self-transformation, you have a drama where they transform and then they move into the climax of the movie. Structurally, to me, is just putting that transformation into action. Why? Because people can talk a good game. But as, as, as animals, as beings, we all know it's what people do is who they are, not what they say. right? So they can have a transformative experience at the bottom of act two. But the only way we trust that it truly has happened, that that transformation truly has come to pass, is because in the climax of the movie, they can now do something that proves the consciousness has changed, that they have transformed, which is probably the opposite of what they would have done and is the opposite of what they would have done in act one, right? So that's another thing in terms of structure to help you look at the poles of your character, look at a scene in act one that in their behavior, it clearly shows who they are. Joy is in act one, pulling those core memories away from sadness. And she is literally saying, you may under no circumstances touch these core memories, right? That the end of act The climax of the movie is joy handing them over to sadness, right? So what are the mere moments that you can see in your script in act one and act three of the poles of your character? This is their behavior in act one. Here's the transformation in act three. Now, if at the end of act two, you have a tragedy, they, they have a chance to wake up. It's right there. It's right in front of them. They see it and they choose to go to sleep again. They will not have the transformation. They actively reject it and they actively go back to sleep. And if they do that, now you're, of course your climax is a tragedy, right? Because they will now repeat the behavior of act mm. one. And it feels tragic that they have not learned anything. right? You can also reverse this, which is super fun. So think about, um, Think about, there's a French movie called La Haine, or think about the first Godfather, where you start with a character who's awake. They are conscious. And act one is showing the audience they are conscious. Don Corleone brings, um, Al Pacino brings uh, his girlfriend to a wedding and says that his father kills people for a living, basically. It's a great scene. And she's shocked. And he says to her, that's my family, Kate. That's not me, Hmm. right? Cut to the end of the movie. That same that Kate, his, his, she, the girlfriend is now his wife, looking at him, saying, "Did you kill him?" And who's she talking about? She's talking about the groom from the wedding that we were at in Act One. He's now killed, and of course, he looks at her and he lies and says, "I didn't." And he's a, but he's a totally different person. He's like pounding the the desk and saying, "Don't you ask me about my business." It's an amazing pull scenes to go watch to see that he went from consciousness to unconsciousness. And it's what he chose. And he chooses to to his heart self. I see her, the girlfriend who becomes the wife as the representation of his best self, his heart, right? And he chooses to lie to it. And the last shot of the movie is they close the door on it, right? So you can take, your characters can go opposite directions. They can go from consciousness to unconsciousness, but it's the same structure. Right, you're still hitting all those structure points because you're still tracking now in the opposite them going unconscious and making the choice to go dark, right, to 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 leave all their consciousness uh, behind. And what what forces it's really an interesting question right like what forces would it take to a conscious person to get them to that point right. and, and what would be pulling on them, and you, you're tracking that along in the relationships too. So um, you know that is really, in a nutshell, for a for a podcast, uh, what sh- how we see structure. That structure is really about the character's evolution, and that you're 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 tuning into it at certain points. Um, And if you go and if you did the exercise we talked about in an earlier podcast of choosing your your favorite three movies um, that you've seen many, many times, just go and track the structure points and ask yourself where the main character is. And you'll start to see a commonality of what you're kind of attracted to thematically and the kinds of characters that you like. Um, But again, you're doing that through the act of looking at the structure, right? And the other thing I wanted to talk about just real quick is um, the the harder you make it on your main character, the more impossible you make this journey, the easier it's gonna be to write just for yourself. Like it should feel impossible. And if you really attach me to their goal and I desperately want it for them, that is gonna give you a lot of juice in act two to really work with, right? Um, A lot of people get lost in act two because they really haven't given themselves that engine act one. And so their structure is pretty wobbly. is there anything else I forgot? Laurie, what did I? That's the basic structure. I think talking about the
2: confusion about the midpoint is really important because all the different structure books and theories have slightly different ideas about the, what the midpoint is, right? Mm-hmm. Like in Save the Cat, I think it's the reversal they call it and then so I just think the midpoint is really raising the stakes, right? right? That it isn't necessarily uh, flipping the that that it that it in all these different theories and books and hero's journey and everything it, if they talk about the midpoint being something else But I think it's right like you always talk about it's raising the stakes in some way and that could be the reversal It could be something else, right? Yeah.
1: I mean for me That's kind of like the most global way to look at it and like if I had a midpoint that was mushy well, the first thing I do is go look at my main character and what do I need happening to them at the midpoint? What, what? How far along in the evolution do they need to be? How do I need, where do I need them to be in relationship to somebody else? But then I would go if I needed to and go into the toolbox. The toolbox might be go read Save the Cat and what is his articulation of a midpoint and put that idea into your midpoint and see what does it do? Or go to another book and look at their, like, so when, in a way, all the different people having different ideas is just more tools in your toolbox for, testing out. Um, And literally, I mean, testing out. I mean, like, write a scene. Like, don't worry if it doesn't fit and it doesn't go with what you have. You're just trying to figure a math problem out. Like, okay, so a reversal would mean, okay, this would be pretty crazy, but she would leave, which is the opposite of what I have in my midpoint. But let's just try it. She leaves. Does it spark? Does it be like, oh my God, that is so much energy. That works so well. Okay. Bummer. Now you have to rewrite everything around it. But you found out, right? So it's just tool, you got to be willing to iterate and put, you know, pull the tools out and try and use them. So, I mean, I love reading everybody's um, idea of structure because it just all helps you have more tools in the toolbox. It's just don't create from the tools,
2: right? Right. And right. I think you know, that we get quite a few questions. We've gotten quite a few questions, like what's your favorite structure map? What, who is the best or which one should I use? And I think they're all great. They all have something to offer depending on the project that you're working on. Um, but it's also, like you said, you just have to put in the work and run it through the different tools. Uh, yeah, to and it's just, part. you know,
1: think, okay, today I'm gonna look at this book. I'm gonna look at Save the Cat and I'm gonna decide, okay, I'm doing a genie in the bottle. What's a genie in a bottle to him? I think, I think I'm pretty sure it's a genie in a bottle. So what does that mean? Okay, well, here's the, and I put it on and I decide, oh, it kind of is a genie in a bottle, but that means I'm missing this and this. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Does it make it better? You know, there's no, it's kind of, it would be comforting, right? If there was one way. <laughs>
2: yes, be like, here, it would be... is, here are the rules, I follow the rules, magic.
1: Magic, okay. I followed all the rules, I ticked all the boxes and now it's perfect, right? I, it, yeah, I know, it just doesn't happen that way. And what's interesting to me is I, this week, I spoke to a class of brand new writers um, uh, by Zoom. A friend of mine teaches uh, and, Uh, in Austin. And I also um, spoke to a writer's group that Lori and I are belong to of uh, very established writers who we just get together and help each other with our projects. And um, we had it on Zoom this time. And so super now, super, super um, experienced writers and brand new writers, and it doesn't matter. You all start in the same place, which is talking about character and who are they, and all my questions about them. And you know, it it was the same. Like the same questions were there. Now the response times were faster with the experienced ones, and the ideas were going faster too. And then you we got to more questions, right? Uh, <laughs> because the brains were throwing so fast, right? Um, but the, it's still the same. It, there is no kind of magic bullet to it. It's because it's so personal, right? It's a dream that you're—it's ha- a dream that this writer's having. So all I can ask them is, you know, I literally was like, I don't, I don't, this character is so fun, but I don't know why he's in your movie. Like, mm-hmm. I literally, from like, why does your, the main character need this character with him? Even though it's fun and funny, I don't get it. Like you could just cut him out. So do you want to just cut him out or do we need to make him essential mm-hmm. so that you can't? Because there's something under here. Like from, I, you need to hear from the writer, right? Like the writer might say, absolutely not. We can't cut him out. Okay, well, that's pretty important then he has to earn his way in because we could just cut him out. Um, And it's funny because another writer came at it from a totally different point of view because he's a director, too. And so he said, yeah, man, you know, uh, you're going to you're going to end up sitting across from that actor who's thinking of doing that part. And he's going to say to you, what's my movie inside this movie? What are you going to say? And I was like, oh, that's really good. I got to remember that for the podcast, Uh, you know, like every part is going to have an actor who wants to know why they're essential why how are they essential to this story so but again I I, all to go back to there is no one way most experienced writers in the world geniuses let's call them geniuses right we Laurie and I have worked with some geniuses at Pixar all the way down to I'm writing my first screenplay same questions same
2: questions.
1: Uh, it's such a personal journey. So we're just here to help you give some tools in your toolbox um, and be and help you be brave enough to ask the questions. Yeah.
0: I uh, do have a quick question if I could hop in. Yeah. Meg, when you talk about yeah. like the journey of, I love the idea of mapping structure onto a character's consciousness and like a movie is essentially just a character coming to a realization and acting on it. Um, how, where is that character consciousness wise at the midpoint? Is it almost like they're like accruing like a false consciousness at that point.
1: No, like- they're they're awake enough. They can't go back. You you they could not go back to that drugstore and work for their dad and just be the person they were mm. because they've been woken up enough by her on this journey to rob the money or whatever, right? Mm. That he's awake enough now that he he knows he can't go back and be that person he was, but he's still behaving right? His instincts are still, his survival instinct is still on and he's still not letting her emotionally in. Or he, maybe he did at the midpoint and they had a a real bonding moment, but the next morning he's a little bit distanced because it made unnerved him, right? Because now what's going to happen? Because in my old consciousness, when I open up like that, I get fucked, right? And so she's like, wow, why are you, you're kind of cold and he's like i'm fine and then you're suddenly they're like oh they're a little bit off but she's hanging in there to prove to him that everybody doesn't run away as soon as you get emotionally intimate she's actually hanging in which is changing his brain because this is not what normally happens what normally happens is we get emotionally intimate and then you fuck me but that's not happening now she's shifting mm. what he thinks is real that 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 consciousness that that idea he has of the world in Act One, that by the way, you as the writer have made me believe too. This mm-hmm. is the trick. I can't be aware and conscious of what he's not conscious of, or none of this works, right? As soon as, you know, if you don't have the opening to Nemo and understand and believe what he believes, that everything off this reef is, da- reef is dangerous and I can't handle it, that's just an annoying fish, right? So, <laughs> I believe that. So there at the midpoint, we are um, experiencing, I often, right? We're experiencing the elation of the waking up, right? We're getting to bond with a person. We're getting to expand, right? We're getting a lot, some of the reward and beauty of waking up, but we're not fully woken up. So here comes the universe. Right after that beauty, there comes a really hard amp up the plot because you're not fully awake yet. You can't go halfway. Right. So it's that midpoint for me in terms of consciousness is a beautiful tipping point. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're just going to beat them up harder. You know, a lot it's like the
0: world of the plot has to respond to that character waking up a little more to push them even further.
1: Further. Yes. The world now is going to go, well, that's interesting. So you can handle that. How about this? Interesting. Is this gonna make you revert to your old behavior because i think it's gonna yeah right and you're gonna see this character probably with the help of the main relationship right rise to that occasion and rise and they're getting you know the fish in uh uh in dory he he's he's connecting to her he's he's got turtles he's but he's helped her you know like he's really really taking on some big things right but when when it comes to his kid now that's a very hard test Right, like I can deal with jellyfish and I can deal with sharks and Dory's helping me deal with all this stuff, but now I have to let my kid do it? I don't know about that. Like Mm. that, there's an ultimate test, right? So you're gonna save that for the climax. That is the ultimate test. It's also probably why he made the mistake, right? Because he just couldn't deal with it. I mean, literally in, you know, Andrew Stanton um, sometimes likes, and it's so hard to do and so genius, he takes a sentence and the character can say the sentence in act one, and they can say the the sentence towards the end of act two, and it's the same sentence, but it means totally different things, right? So in act one, it's Marlin, right? Marlin says, um, you you think you can do these things, but you can't, right? I can't let anything happen to you, right? Which we believe, because we just saw that whole thing happen, right? And then they're in a whale, and he says the same thing. He literally says, you want all the, you know, I, you want all this stuff is, all this bad stuff is going to happen and I can't let anything happen to you. And Dory, hanging in a whale, because it's awesome, is like, well, if nothing's going to happen to him, then nothing's going to happen to him. Mm. And you're like, <laughs> bum, bum. right? <laughs> We're so worried about the bad stuff, but that means none of the good stuff's going to happen either. The, and it's just like, same sentence, right? So it's one is unconscious, but we believe it with the main character. And then we wake up because of all the stuff that happens act two and you've edged that person and shown it's almost like you believe this are you sure is that true is that true is that true is that true because this you thought this was going to happen that didn't happen you thought this was going to happen that didn't happen you thought this was going to happen it did happen was it as bad as you thought it was going to be you know it's uh that's to me what act twos are is just really hammering away at that unconscious or wrong belief system which we could have a whole like I've yes. a podcast, uh, show on belief systems yeah uh
2: that's awesome Meg thank you all
1: right Laurie and I just jibber-jabbered there all oh you're over great the no I don't here. I
2: don't want to I don't want to bust your flow like you've got a whole <laughs> thing it's great if I jump in with my comments or questions it disrupts the natural brilliance that you bring to this podcast oh my, oh, my god um see that was a compliment I snuck in there how'd that I feel <laughs> Um, do we have time for a question or should we save it for next week?
0: We have about five minutes, so we okay. could save it if we feel like that's enough.
2: Well, this is a really big question, but we can answer it. We'll answer confidence. it a little yeah. bit. We'll answer it yeah. uh, If we
0: need to extend the question next week, we can.
2: Okay. okay, so, um, this comes from Scott and he asked, uh, several questions, but the main one is, um. He's in production, like he's been a producer, a UPM, a line producer, but he's also a writer and he wants to make that transition now from content maker to content creator. And Meg, both you and I have done this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, he's asking for, you know, how do I get an agent? What do I do? You know, sort of big questions. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about it. Meg, what's your advice for him? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think next week we could answer the how do I get an agent question because there's a couple of things I would suggest, um, um, but it's a longer maybe uh, thing. So I think what we can answer now, and Lauren, you and I were talking about this before we came on, in terms of there's an emotional transition that has to happen in terms of your identity, right? You have to move from your, your writing being a hobby to it being a career, and you have to really, what does that mean to you in terms of boundaries and time and effort and focus? Um, it also has to go to like when I did the big change, I got allowed to go as a writer into the Sundance lab. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm going to go up to that mountain and they're going to crown me a writer. And now I get to be a writer. And they, and that's not what happened <laughs> because, and I, and my husband was like, you know, nobody can tell you you're a writer, but you, yeah. like you have to make the choice. We are writers. We are, I'm a writer. Therefore, what do you need to do? Um,
2: and I'd say coming out as a writer is really hard sort of owning that I'm a writer, because people are always going to come back with what have you written right there that they, you feel like you're going to get challenged every time you say I'm a writer, it's almost and you have to keep reclaiming that ground. I'm a writer, I'm a writer and what does that mean so it's that emotional piece. What does that mean for you, you know, I. I got, I used to be a playwright and I was in the MFA program and all of us in the program, it was so hard because we were all working full-time at other jobs, but it was so hard to claim that I'm a writer thing and still have another day job and be in grad school and all of that. And then, um, so that, that I think is
1: the first hardest step, right? Because as soon as you claim it, people are going to be like, really, what have you written? And, and then it if, it's, if you're you. new enough, you're like, I don't know. And then the next thing is, okay, so what can I read? And you're like, oh shit, now I have to show people stuff. Right. And the vulnerability just comes raging up, right? Yes. So I think that's the first transition to make, yes. but the only one who can do that identity shift is you. Yes. Um, and it literally is, if you have to just repeat it over in your head a hundred times a day, I'm a writer, I'm a writer. And actually, I don't know, write. <laughs> that helps too. Oh, that, that's a step that yeah. uh, uh But, um, and then next week we can answer the question about, okay, how do you get a writer uh, i mean how do you get an agent how, you get a writer, how do you get a writer to write your stuff how do you get an agent um you know and we have a couple of ideas about that so we can yeah. talk about that next
2: week. uh so uh everybody should their assignment your assignment this week is to practice saying i'm a writer mm. and writing
0: <laughs> i feel like i'm at the midpoint of i'm a writer and the world <laughs> recently has been like really um challenging and- me in that i'm not at my third act yet on that one so um Yes, it's
1: ramping up. It's like, are you sure you're yeah. a writer? What if I do a global pandemic in which you have to write and homeschool and this <laughs> and that can, Are you still a writer?
0: Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm waking you, up. I'm still waking up.
1: But when you are, it's amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. Like there are rewards to waking up. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, I think that's our show. All
0: right. That's Thanks our show.
1: Guys. You Thanks guys us. for coming and please send us your questions and any topics you'd like us to cover.